Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, Kings fans? If you haven't heard about Anchor by Spotify, it's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. Let me explain. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And best of all, Anchor, it's totally free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hey, what's up, Kings fans? It's your host, Ryan Sykes. Today, I'm going to fill in for Scott Vin- Scott Kinville as best as I can. Um, joining me today, my co-host, Russ- Russell Morgan. How you doing? I'm doing good, Ryan. Your uh, your voice is a little different from Scotty, our host. but uh, Yeah, we have the same hairstyle, though. Yeah, you do. Yeah, that was, <laughs> that was a joke I was getting to, but I appreciate oh, gotcha. you finishing it for me. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, you having a good week? Yeah, yeah. It's been a great week of... Uh, well, I mean, it started off uh, last week kind of slow with the Kings, and it's been up and down with the injuries. But, uh, man, Sunday was fun. Yeah, I mean, it feels like an injury per day uh, at this point. Too, right? Mm-hmm. It's, but, it's kind of getting ridiculous at this point. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, we'll see about Tobias Bjornfoot uh, mm-hmm. heading into tonight's game against the Avs. But uh, we'll see, man. We can't afford mm-hmm. any more injuries. That's right. So yeah, I guess we'll we'll look back at uh, the Sharks game, and we're just going to discuss it once. You know, they lost five uh, nothing mm-hmm. uh, over the weekend. I guess were there any positives that you took away from that, or are we just throwing that straight into the trash? Dude, I'm just I'm just trying to throw that away. <laughs> <laughs> I think like every Kings fan just going into that game with how the Kings have played against the Sharks uh, over the last couple seasons, it just didn't look good. And then you just started watching the game, and you're just kind of it kind of came to fruition. It was just like, okay, well, five nothing, or it was a four nothing, five nothing. I don't even remember because I'm trying to forget yeah, about it. Five and three nothing after the first period. Yeah, it was just. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't really expecting much for the Kings in terms of trying to get a victory or anything um, with the injuries and the game they had just played before losing to the Sharks in overtime. So going into San Jose, you were just kind of expecting just another letdown, and then sure enough, 
that's what happened. So let's just forget that ever happened and we'll move on. <laughs> yeah, I guess one thing, though, I cannot stand the camera angle at SAP Center. Dude, right? <laughs> it's, it's, it's like it's it's weird to watch like different um venues i i know the sharks is a unique one dallas has kind of a unique one where you seem like you're more closer to the ice um yeah but i don't know i i was gonna say stable center but crypto is is got one of the best like in terms of viewing angles on tv I, I, they're always it's always good to watch games at home when the kings are playing at home yeah and you don't really appreciate it until you have to see games like you know, uh, at the SAP center where the camera angle is basically like from space. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I don't know how sharks fans do it, but <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, uh, the other night there was a, a much, much better game, uh, shootout win over the Florida Panthers. I guess. Mm-hmm. What did you think about that game, Russ? Dude, Martin F and Ferk, dude. It's, <laughs> I mean, when you, it's hard to, we talk about all the big wins that the Kings have had this year. We go back to the first, uh, like first. I, I, there's like four of them I, I've been mm-hmm. thinking of. So there's one in Pittsburgh they had um, where they didn't have. Um, they lost two defensemen. I forget which ones were out, but Austin Strand and Jacob Oviari came in. And they won that game. Then they went to Columbus and Victor Arvidsson had a hat trick and it was a come, comeback effort there. And then the win in Boston um, not too long ago where Trevor Moore tied it and then Athanasiu won in an overtime. But man, that win on Sunday it was just. With all this adversity this team has faced over the last month, for them to come out, pretty much a team filled with players who had been in an AHL just like a couple weeks ago and beat a team like Florida who was who had 85 points at the time. They're like third overall in the league. And for them to beat them in, in a shootout and the way that they did also, it was just it was so dramatic. It was like a Disney movie that we were watching. <laughs> like you do all these replacement players coming in and then just win a game that they shouldn't have won at all. And it was just, man, you just kind of felt the energy in the building that Kings fans, it's, it's a team that you can really just rally behind and you can really get behind. And it, you, I've said it before in the last pod, it's, it, it makes you proud to kind of root for this team and they're showing it for you on the ice. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, and let's not, uh, let's give enough credit to uh, Sean Dersey for his play right before the first shot kind of just, Kept it in that little like fake, uh, opened up enough space for him to whip it over to Martin Furk. And then everything just kind of seemed to slow down. And mm-hmm. accompanied with Alex Faust's call, like Furk, uh, what was it? Loads up, fire, scores. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was so cool. And I just, I thought the ping off the back of the post just was, uh, it was like the chef's kiss to it, you know? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I'm glad. Um, Joseph does our, uh, Paterino, the Making It Rain host, does our live tweeting on the Hockey Royalty uh, account. And I'm glad that he mentioned Jersey's uh, play because, I, I mean, I, with all the accolades that Martin Furk's been getting for the shot, which he deserves because that's exactly what he brings to the team and that's exactly what the team needed, that's Sean Jersey play. To have that confidence and composure for it to have when you have a player like Sasha Barkov, one of the best two way centermen in the league to be coming at you at the point with that much time left and just have that calm, cool, collective presence to just, just kind of hesitate a little bit, just dangle the stick on your, dangle the puck on your stick mm-hmm. and then make that saucer pass over to Martin for all the way across the ice. That was a play. That's one of the best plays of the year in terms of just looking at everything that's happened with the Kings this season. I mean, it, we talk, we have to talk about Sean Dersey more and more because coming into the year, I, Sean Dersey was way down the list in terms of players that I thought would make an impact on the team this season. With all the right shot defensemen that the Kings had coming into the year, 
Sean Dursey wasn't really a name that was really thought of to really be a, an integral part of the team mm-hmm. for this season. And the fact that he's been able to come in and really not just be a player on the that can kind of fill a role, but be a very important role um, for the Kings, It's it's been amazing to watch. And it's just been kind of one of the very many storylines that you can um, be happy and appreciative about the Kings season so far. Yeah, I mean, it's unfortunate that he really kind of worked his way into the lineup because of Sean Walker's injury. Mm-hmm. But I'm not sure that you can take him out of the lineup right now or even in uh, next year, you know. He's got yeah. five goals, 11 assists. Uh, sorry, I lost my place. I'm reading off this. <clears throat> I'm sorry. Two mm-hmm. goals, uh, 15 assists, so 17 points in 43 games. It's not really much more that you could ask for him to come in and step in into that position and kind of step up like you said from a player that uh, you know nobody was really had on their radar. You know, down the right side we had Drew Doughty, Matt, Matt Roy, uh, Sean Walker, and then really after that it was kind of like a well, I'm not sure who might plug in there. And yeah. you know, Sean Jersey waited for his time, and now he's he's shining. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, and I think. That's a good point because uh, Rasmus Kapari actually mentioned it after the the game on Sunday that it you're not really you know it's unfortunate that these injuries are happening but now we're seeing players that want to step up and that's exactly what he he thought because yeah we got to talk about Rasmus Kapari as well because mm-hmm. I mean for him to come in and he's had an up and down year he had a really hot start to the year with the Kings and yeah. the first couple of games he was with the team he looked great he was flying all over the ice and then he kind of just kind of disappeared a little bit. And it looked like he was really hesitating and pressing a little bit. Um, there was, there was. I remember there was a moment right before he got sent down where he had the puck driving down to the middle to the slot, and then he just looked to dish it off. And I, I thought, mm-hmm. I remember that specifically at that time, like, man, only if he just drove to the net or even just threw it on net. That's exa- That's what I want to see out of him. So for him to go down to Ontario and kind of reignite his game a little bit and come back up and do a play where. Exactly what I was just talking about. Yeah. Like drive to the slot, and then he just threw it on net, and sure enough, it went in. So, I thought that line just looked incredible. I mean, at the beginning of the game, we were trying to we that line really stuck out just because of all the first round picks. You have Velarde on the line with Byfield and Kapari, mm-hmm. and they looked good and they looked comfortable. And it's hopefully maybe we'll see him again um, tonight against Colorado, and they produce as well. Yeah, and I mean, hat tip to uh, Gabe Velarde too for kind of allowing that goal to happen. You know, he screened Spencer Knight just enough, you know, right as uh, Kapari was, had that awesome backhand shot and it just kind of snuck right past him. Yeah, Velarde, yeah, we've <laughs> we've talked on end about Velarde and he's just kind of been waiting for his call up. He's been doing his time in, in Ontario and he's been playing really well since he's transitioned to the wing. And at the time when we've, we've been talking about the call up, I never really expected Velarde to get called up because you don't want to have a player who's had really a roller coaster year to just get called up into a playoff spot, like run all of a sudden and play important stretch of games. But now, like when we go back to these injuries, it's kind of forced the hand. And I think it's almost helped Velarde a little bit because he's not coming into a situation where, okay, they're, they're calling me up because they want me to produce and fill a role that the team needs with a, a fully healthy roster. No, he's coming into a team that's just has is decimated by injuries right now. So he's playing really, there's not a lot of pressure on him right now. It's just, Hey, come up and do what you can do. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what we saw, how we saw him play on Sunday. He played 
a game where he was just free and loose. And when we see Gabe Velarde play like that, we know what he can bring. So I mentioned after in the morning, he looked exactly how he looked in, during the 2020 call-up when he first came up and he scored that first goal against Florida. And he played those great games toward the end of the season before the shutdown. And if he can get back to that type of player that he can become um, that time, I mean, that's just going to be an added benefit for the Kings. And maybe that there's with all these injuries, maybe it's just kind of like um, one of the few positives that can come out of it toward the end of the season. Absolutely. It could be like the uh, Sean Jersey coming in for Sean Walker, you know, among the forwards. Exactly. Exactly. But yeah, I mean, Velarde, I think he only had one shot on goal that entire game, but he won some important puck battles down low. Um, he's just kind of a, a good two-way forward in that game. He played with a lot of confidence, like you said, and we'll see. I'm sure they're going to keep with the same third line tonight. I don't know why you wouldn't mess with that. You know, that whole third line looked great, just all, all three guys on there. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I guess then into the second period, the power <laughs> play, just Andre Kopitar doesn't win the draw. It goes the other way, and – Florida scores and boom, just like that, it's tied. And then I think like three or four minutes later, um, you know, Barkov recognized the traffic in front of the net, fired it. It hit a bunch of traffic, landed right in front of Brandon Montour. And he just kind of cleaned it up and put it home. Yeah. And just bam, like that, you're down two to one. So I guess into the second period, after all that settled, you know, what what were you kind of thinking? Man, this the first period looks so good for the Kings, especially with, all the new players that have just kind of been inserted into the lineup so late. And then to go into that second period, and it was really just because that power play. I mean, the power play is is so bad that it's hurting the Kings right yeah. now. It's really stifling momentum that they've gained during five-on-five play. And it's it's really unfortunate. And we talk, we've talked about the the cold streak that Andre Kopitar and Kempe and I follow are on. And it, it, that was really kind of what we what we saw on that power play is just they they really aren't meshing or gelling right now and it's kind of it's hurting the kings because they need those players to be productive and sure enough that's what happened during that second period but man i i just love i just got to say i i love watching alexander barkov play hockey i mean mm-hmm. i was talking with andrew noel up in, during that game cuz you watch him play i i see a young Andre kopitar but even bigger cuz the way when he was able to set up that second goal for Montour, you just yeah. watch him play. He just was just so calm, just using his body. Hey, you want to try to check me off the puck? Good luck with that. I'm not <laughs> going to get rid of the puck. And sure enough, he made a play and, and converted into a goal. But, yeah, hopefully the Kings need to figure out the power play because it's really hurting them right now. And they've allowed eight shorthanded goals, tying them for the most in the league with the New Jersey Devils. Like, it's really not an advantage. No, it's really not. It's really not. <laughs> Man, so, unadvantaged. <laughs> oh so, yeah, I mean, then obviously uh, it went it remained scoreless for the rest of the second period, and you know, saved by the bell on the Martin Furk. Mm-hmm. Um, into overtime, though, Huberto had uh, elbowing on, on excuse me on I follow. Um, what'd you kind of think of that? Yeah, I thought that was. I mean, the elbowing call. I thought it was the right call. Yeah, he was he was checked up high. I didn't I didn't see the elbow. But I, I know it was. I knew it was a high hit. Yeah. But then, kind of as the players kind of grouped together, then all of a sudden you saw Kopitar step in, and that's the exact type of leadership we need to see from Kopitar. Because if he's not going to produce offensively, he needs to show some kind of grit 
or leadership that um, players like other captains like like Landis Gog shows for Colorado or even remember when Dustin Brown used to show that kind of grit and tenacity mm-hmm. when he was the captain of the Kings during the cup runs. But yeah, it's, that was, that was really good to see. And it was, it was especially good to see during like in, that late in the game. Cause for him to take that penalty and kind of um, just really take himself off the ice during overtime, that showed that he was really more focused on really stepping up for his teammate than he was focusing on the game, which is, which is actually fine given all of the, th- all the stuff that's gone on with the Kings and the the loss in San Jose, the game before that he was willing to put himself first and really step up for his teammate first, primarily over trying to win a game. And I, I liked seeing that from Kovatari and I hope to see more of that from him toward the end of the year. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. I mean, let's hopefully he can pick up, find some of his offense right now. He's still leading the Kings in points, but he hasn't, he hasn't produced in uh, quite some time here. So uh, yeah, so then I guess into the shootout, um, you know, Trevor Moore wins it. It was just kind of nice to see him just skate in and fire one pass after the previous few guys kind of tried <laughs> to do a little stick work with it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I, it was I, when I saw them doing the the dangles that they were trying. I know Byfield had just kind of fumbled one off the stick. I was just glad to see Morsey just go in there and just rip one. And it was it was a shot that would have made Jared Stahl happy. I mean, just. Yeah. Right over the gloves, uh, snipe right under the post. I mean, it was it was a perfect shot, and I think and we got to talk about Jonathan Quick playing mm-hmm. his seventh hundred seven hundred game, and for the team to kind of rally around him, it seemed like they were really just kind of motivated to really get the win for Quickie in his seven hundredth game. I know they all came out during warmups with the hats on with the seven number seven hundred on them. That was really cool. So for and we saw a little bit of a fist pump from Quick after the win too. So it was just. <laughs> It was just all in all a, a really great night after all that the Kings have been through the last week in terms of the injuries and the, the loss to the Sharks. It was just a really great night, and hopefully they can continue that momentum with all these young guys in the lineup and going up against another tough team in Colorado. Yeah, and before we transition, just to, yeah, I want to touch on quick, real quick, I thought it was fitting that he had the the shootout game-winning save on Anthony Duclair there uh, to kind of preserve the win for the Kings and mm-hmm. um, you know in the post game and stuff they were asking him about how he feels about his individual accomplishments and stuff like that and he says you know all I care about is the win that's the number one key here exactly that's, so, that's always the play he's been he's just the competitive quickie we saw it throughout the game too he he was a little upset with the refs in terms of he thought he was getting uh, bumped into in his crease and that's just been Jonathan Quick throughout his career and it's been good to see and I'm still waiting for that fight yeah <laughs> Yeah, after the Montour goal, he uh, kind of went after the ref a little bit. Oh, he did. I, it wasn't. It wasn't. It had nothing to do with the goal. It was, it was a play that had happened couple, just a couple mm-hmm. minutes before yeah. where he got bumped. So he was still upset, and that's just the fiery Jonathan Quick we've known. And for him to come in the press conference and just really talk about the team, the win, that wasn't really that surprising. Absolutely. So yeah, I mean, transitioning into tonight's game, with the Colorado Avalanche are coming in. Uh, they're without. Gabe Landeskog, what they did, um, make a trade yesterday. They acquired mm-hmm. defenseman Josh Manson from the Ducks, and he's going to be making his uh, Colorado debut tonight. So I guess, what are you looking for tonight from the Kings, Russ? Um, and, you know, I tweeted out yesterday, and it would be interesting to see, but do you see Cal getting the start tonight? I do. I think right now, just because of the way that the Kings are kind of – 
I mean, how their lineup is right now with all the injuries. I think I see you. You'll see the Kings go back to a, a split, a fifty-fifty split with Quick and, and Cal. Just because, I mean, I talked about Cal being the starter right now, and I really want him to, and I want him to get more starts, just because he's the future of the team. Mm-hmm. I mean, Jonathan Quick has great games, and I, I'm. I wouldn't be surprised if he's the starting goaltender if the Kings do make playoffs. But I want to see Cal get more starts and try to get his game elevated a little bit back to where it was um, last year. But, yeah, going into the, the game against Colorado, it's funny because Josh Manson got traded, and there's no morning skate today for them. So his yeah. first time skating with the team will be during warm-ups. Which I know. Is, <laughs> which is really funny. But, yeah, it'll it'll be a great game. I know they're missing Landeskog and Gerard is out as well. So, I mean, but the abs are the abs. I mean, you've you got to stifle Kale McCarr and Nathan McKinnon or else you're just going to get destroyed by a team that just loves to put the puck in the net. But, yeah, if the Kings can stick to, to their system, which is that one three one system and kind of clog that neutral, neutral zone and prevent a lot of the easy um, zone entries for the avalanche, I can see them maybe pulling up, uh, pulling out another victory as long as, as, long as that team's not wearing – um, teal with a shark on it. They've been playing pretty good <laughs> against other, those uh, pretty good teams, and hopefully they can pull out another W. Yeah, I mean, the Avalanche are averaging. That's tough to say. Avalanche averaging. <laughs> uh, they're averaging uh, almost a full goal more uh, per game than the Kings. They're 3.83. Kings are 2.87. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, they got up to a little bit of a slow start, but they've just been on fire since yeah. then and they think their last win was over the Calgary Flames three to nothing. Um but yeah, I mean Kadri's having just an unbelievable season. Uh you know, Nathan McKinnon's Nathan McKinnon, Kelvin Carr's having a Norris trophy season. But you know, if they can pull out this win tonight, I think that says a lot about the character of the Kings. Yeah, a hundred percent. I mean after I don't know how much more character you can get after the Sunday <laughs> game, but yeah, I mean if they if they can, can keep this train rolling um, with players, we'll see what happens because I know they sent down um, Strand, Willinen, and Ferk. I'm sure we thought it was mostly just paper transactions. We'll see what happens during practice today, um, and then there's been talk about Drew Doughty possibly being um, ready for tonight's game as well. So we'll see what mm-hmm. happens there. Um, having Drew back in the lineup will help immensely, obviously, but. Yeah, if the Kings are able to pull out another two points against the Avalanche after just beating another Stanley Cup contending team like the Panthers, I mean, that's just it's just going to be another great storyline for the Kings season. It's going to be hard to rank my favorite games if they do win tonight, you know. <laughs> right. Cuz yeah. like they got the two wins over the Penguins and the first one at home they had three goals in the third period. Uh obviously opening night uh, Kopitar gets a hat trick. Yeah, uh, the win in Boston recently, the win I, the night before, two nights before, whatever in Columbus, uh, Victor Arvidsson's hat trick, um, uh, and then the Panthers win. You know, just yeah. a couple of nights ago. So if they can, you know, I'm going to have to put sort of, some sort of ranking together if they yeah, win yeah. tonight. <laughs> yeah, I think that's that's definitely a good list. I mean, yeah, opening night was great. It kind of was really showing the Kings fans that hey, this team is ready to roll throughout the season. And then they went on the one five and one skid. Yeah, but yeah, the last couple, um, the last month or so, we've seen some really, really good wins and really kind of dramatic wins too that we really haven't seen before. The Kings are tying games late with the goalie pulled. I mean, that's kind of been a a surprise and a new thing to see from in uh, in LA. Right. Absolutely. So, Russ, let's do this. Let's take a quick commercial break, and we're going to come back with our guest. Uh, who's going to help us break down all the trade deadline stuff. So take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back. Sounds good. 
And what's up, hockey fans? You know, the NHL season has been packed with dirty dangles, hat tricks, and big wins. As the action rolls on, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has your shot to win big two. New customers can bet just $1 on any team and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's right. A bump in the win column for your team means free bets for you. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you still have a shot to light the lamp. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Hockey Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN. Bet just $1 on any NHL team and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. 21 and over only. Restrictions apply. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER. That's 1-800-426-2537 in Illinois, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, and Wyoming. 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado and New Hampshire. 888-789-7777 backslash visit ccpg.org backslash chat in Connecticut. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-877-770-STOP-7867 in Louisiana. 877-8-HOPE-NY backslash text HOPE-NY-467-369 in New York. Visit opgr.org in Oregon. Call or text TN Redline 1-800-889-9789 in Tennessee or 1-888-532-3500 in Virginia. Again, you must be 21 or over, older to enter. Physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Louisiana, Michigan, New Hampshire, New Jersey, New York, Oregon, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming only. Minimum $5 deposit is required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See http backslash draftkings.com backslash sportsbook for details. And we're back from commercial break. Still nice to have a commercial break, right, Russ? That's right. That's right. Uh, here to help us to break down the NHL trade line trade deadline, excuse me, and how it pertains to LA Kings, uh, we have a very special guest for you guys. Um, coming from the fourth period today, we have Dennis Bernstein. Dennis, how are you doing? Uh, I'm not sure about the very special guest, but uh, Ryan, it's <laughs> always great to talk to you, man. So uh, one week away from the trade deadline, let's do it. Yeah, less than six days. And I guess before we dive into that, um, just want to get kind of your general general thoughts on the Kings this year. They've overachieved. It's a great story. And, and I said it the other night after that miraculous win. It's not quite miracle on ice in the 1980 but here's the thing. If fans aren't emotionally invested in this team right now, then stop being a fan, right? This mm-hmm. has just been an incredible achievement by the organization, by players overachieving, by hang, now hanging in there with yep. the injuries. To me, it's, it's been like, – coming in, I thought they were probably a 90-91 point team. I thought there would be improvement, uh, but to think second on pace for 100 points, just – a, a great achievement. And I think you guys know my history. I'm a hard grader. And I just think this is team is bought into a system. The coaching staff has been amazing. Players have responded. And I think, you know, we joke about playing the kids, but 
to me, one of the biggest things are when they do put these kids in the lineup who have very little experience, they don't freeze in the moment. They don't make these game-changing mistakes. So to me, it's a great ride. Um, I hope Rob, you know, it depends on the injuries, but I hope Rob does maybe add one or two pieces here for insurance, right? Because mm-hmm. you don't really know. It's tough, guys, when you say week to week on injuries. Mm-hmm. You know what that means. Yeah. Like, which week? So to me, um, fans should be really, really pleased. I know there are, you know, people crying about Martin Furk not playing all the time or something like that. But to me, <laughs> it's been it's been a, a really, really great season for this team and hopefully for the fans as well. And as far as that emotional connection, I think you kind of nailed it perfectly because I was listening to the All the Kings Men podcast yesterday, and Carlin said uh, after the game, she just kind of let the emotion take over, and she actually cried a little bit. I mean, mm-hmm. I think that's a perfect way to describe that win um, against a very good Panthers team. And, you know, I have to say, how satisfying was that ping on Martin Furk's blast. <laughs> if it just hit the net, you know, but that ping just really just kind of emphasized the, the moment for me. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it's a, it's a great story for Martin. That's why that's why Carl got, a, you know, emotional because he's a really good guy who's, what, 28 years old? Who's yeah. never going to be a primetime parent in this league. But to have those moments, that was great for him. It's a great story. If people say, look, when I call him a fourth liner and he needs to shoot the puck, that's what Todd said. It's not a yeah. disrespect to, to, mm-hmm. to the player. That's what he is. And if you can help this team down stretch with all the injuries, I'm all for it. Yeah, especially for a player like Martin Furk, who's done his part with the age and with the rain in Ontario and yeah. hasn't really spoken up or been, he's, he's just been complaining, no. keeps playing his game. And I'm glad you mentioned that these players have kind of come in. And it's been like a seamless transition for them. And Todd has mentioned that multiple times in the press conferences we've seen that it's 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 good that these both both the teams are playing the same system. So it makes it a lot easier for these players to just come in and just know the type of game that the coaches expect from them. And, and they've been showing it too. Yeah, right. Well, that's development, Russ, right? I mean, it's not about mm-hmm. necessarily talent. Jordan Spence, and I, one of my friends from Toronto who does the analytic work saying Jordan Spence has had a great season in the AHL. Right? Mm-hmm. And it's not about the productivity. It's about the maturity. Like, I, I know people will talk about the Martin Furk shot, but that's not possible without that play by a Dursey at the blue line. He yes. made a great save, a great pass, set him up. And that's maturity. And Sean's been in the league half a season. So to me, that's the development side, the development piece that you don't even see. If even And people obviously joke with me because I don't watch the rain, and I'm, I'm very transparent about that. But it's not even the games. Russ and Ryan, it's the off-ice stuff that prepares mm-hmm. these guys. It's working with the staff. It's working with a guy like uh, Jared Stoll right, and Craig Johnson and guys who have been here before. So to me, I think that's the one of the most impressive things about this. It's not the productivity. It's, it's the ability to be in the moment and have Jordan Spence play 23 minutes in his third game against the Florida Panthers. That's a massive accomplishment regardless of what he does in the box score. Yeah, and Dennis, I have a confession too. I don't watch the rain either. <laughs> I got, I got three kids. The NHL, Ryan. Yeah, three exactly. kids, three and under. That's I, I have time for the Kings, and that's it. <laughs> sure, man. I got you. <laughs> so yeah, uh, moving along to the trade deadline. You know, the Kings have had a rash of injuries lately. You know that. Everyone else knows that. Um, yeah. I think we could maybe argue that the Kings were possibly a forward short before the injuries. Um. Is there a player now that you would want to see the Kings go after? Um, I do, but it depends on price. And I agree with you, Ron. They were a forward short, absolutely a forward short. Um, 
it, it depends if you want to do a rental or a term. The, the problem is, I, the Ducks aren't going to help you. And Ricard yeah. Raquel would help this team. So that's, yeah. that's not going to happen. So it would have mm-hmm. to pre- be a guy with, with well, if you want short term, a guy that I think would fit well, and I've mentioned this before, it would be Arturi Lekkinen from the Canadians. Mm-hmm. Right? He's restricted at the end of the season. Arbitration rights, $2.3 million. Not expensive, but two good two-way guy who fits the system. Right? So to me, like, yeah, you could go get Phil Kessel, but can Phil play in the system? I don't think so, especially if Martin Furks in the game, right? So to me, I, I think it's got to be that two-way type of play. Look, the player I wanted here, who wound up going to Vancouver, but now he's on a longer-term deal, was Connor Garland. I think Connor mm-hmm. would be fantastic in the season. But, but at the deadline, again, guys, it depends on what week-to-week is. If, if you see Arbitson skating tomorrow, right, and we're five days away, then I, I'm willing to – look – I've been the guy who said, let's be aggressive, add to this team, swing big. I don't know right now because there's four forwards. Out yeah. there. It's never – look, I've covered the team for 20 years, Ryan. There's never been the, the amount of injuries in this short a period of time since I've covered the team without question. So to me, if Rob's going to be a little bit more cautious because he doesn't really know the timing of it, and that's the worst thing is that the, the trade deadline's six days away. So to me, I, I don't – I wouldn't swing big for any one of these forwards. Uh, but if you wanted to have a middle six guy that could supplement this team – Fine, there isn't going to be the big time player that you're going to go get. Like Phil Forsberg's not treating out, getting treated out of Nashville. Yeah. Even if he doesn't sign. So to me, as much like, as we want him you to, you got to really fine tune it. Oh, yeah. Well, maybe in the offseason <laughs> if he doesn't pay up. But but to me, I, I think it's it's a dilemma here because you want to reward this team. If they're going to be this shorthanded for another couple of weeks with this schedule, you, want, you don't want everybody coming up from. Um, from Ontario, Ron, because look, here's the thing. A lot of the kids that came up haven't produced. Mm-hmm. Anderson Dolan, Fagamo, and Turcotte haven't put up a point. Right? doesn't mean they're not good. It doesn't mean the future. But right now in the moment, you want this team to make the playoffs now. And you would hate to have injuries just derail them. So to me, I, I could see one or two players like that I mentioned maybe come in. But I wouldn't be that disappointed if they don't make acquisition by Monday because that tells me that these players are probably coming back sooner than later. For sure. And I think for me, you know, the Kings have not been in even remote playoff discussion for several years. So I I think you said it best. I would hate injuries to be the reason that they don't make the playoffs. You know, they're granted they're in, they're in a very good spot now. Um, But, you know, I also don't want them to make a move just for the sake of making a move. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. So I think I'd be more in favor of acquiring somebody with term. You know, mm-hmm. Philip Forsberg or Andrew Kopp are both UFAs at the end of the right. year. They could come in and help you out right now, but what are you going to give up to get them, right? Yeah, I, I see. I would not give up that first-round pick because you're going to need to use that to wheel it for a big deal, right? Even though people yeah. asking for 2023. I'll give you another player who would be fantastic on this team, and but there's, a, there's an X factor. Like Tyler Bertuzzi has had a great season in Detroit, and he would fit mm-hmm. the style. He goes to the net. He's got 24 goals, I think. But here's the thing, guys. He's not vaccinated. And <laughs> where does the team go right after the trade deadline? Canada for yeah, three mm-hmm. games. So do you mm-hmm. trade for that player knowing that – and that could be an off-season deal because I love that player. I think he'd fit here well. And there was some talk about some interest there. Or mm-hmm. you go to Philadelphia, and maybe it's a Konechny or it's a, a Travis Sanheim or something like that. But I think I, I think we're trending more towards like off-season deals than some big deal here in the next six days for LA. Yeah, 
as we're talking, the Kings uh, brought back up all the players that they sent down yesterday. So first, Will Linen and paper uh, transaction back. So it was pretty much paper transaction. Right. Well, we kind of what we thought it was. The one thing that's kind of noticeable though is no Doughty activated. So maybe not expecting him tonight, but we'll see closer to game time. Um, but yeah, Dennis, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head here. I mean, the and Ryan too. That the Kings are probably looking for a forward to try to add come to the deadline. I think they were one maybe forward just a way just to kind of help things out, not to necessarily sure. put them over the edge, but to just kind of solidify things in the bottom six. And I look at more of a player like a Kai Yonkroak up in Seattle because I think the mm-hmm. team is really desperate for a special teams type player. And he's a player that could really help on the penalty kill because if we've watched the Kings, it's the penalty kill that's really hurting the team right now. And special teams has been a problem throughout the year. So I don't really envision the Kings going out and grabbing necessarily a big name top six player. I think Rob Blake's kind of made that known that they're not really – just going to kind of they're going to be open to making deals and, and willing and dealing but they're not going to make a big splash so maybe a player like that can kind of help them out on the penalty kill and see what they can make some noise in the playoffs and then just going forward uh maybe in the summertime you see that big name maybe like a chicken being moved or that big name defenseman that the kings have been looking for coming over in the summertime yeah well they, they, but they have to prove the offense at some point russ it's just it, the mm-hmm. team's not good enough offensively and i know people talk about oh, they're, they're not creative enough on, on the power play. It's not that they're not creative enough. They don't have creative players. Like, yeah. You look at San Jose, and San Jose's, what, 15 points worse than L.A.? Look mm-hmm. at their first – go go on uh, daily faceoff and look at their first unit power play. Hurdle, uh, Couture, Meyer, Burns, and or Carlson. That doesn't compare here. So, to, and, <laughs> and not for nothing, like your second line players who have been marvelous this year, Deneau and Moore, Deneau has two points. Uh, Deneau has one power play point, and, and Moore has two. Like, they're not that they're north south players. They don't have enough creative players on this team. So, I agree with you, Russ, in the short term, maybe you want to try to fix the, the penalty kill with an ad. But going forward, this team needs more, more offense, they need more creative players, and we'll see what happens in the offseason. Do you see the Kings being players for Philip Forsberg in the summertime? If he hits UFA? You have to call the agent. You have to see if he yeah. wants to come here. I mean, I, it's a crime if he leads there. I mean, he's a lifelong predator. I mean, they traded him for Martin Erat. So, to me, yeah, yeah I would be – and, look, I assume Goudreau would go east if he's not signing in to Philly or Jersey. But mm-hmm. you got to make calls on everybody here. Like, this, yeah. this is a team that – you know, guys, they're at, like, the second tier, right? Let's be real here. If they get into the postseason, I still assume they will – they can win around. They're not beating Colorado, and they're not going yeah. to the Cup final and beat those three elite teams. So, how do you add to this team? I think, I think there's enough here defensively, and you look at all the talent that's coming in the pipeline, on, especially on the right side. But, but I, I think at the, in the off season, you have to adjust the scoring. It's just not good enough. Plus, not for nothing. Like Phil Deneau is going to score 25 goals. He's going to score 25 next season. The X factor is number 55. Mm-hmm. And, and, and guys, I don't care about his productivity. He has to get the game time in. He has to get, put the work in. He has to play at this level. So the fact that he's got, what, two goals on the system, I don't care. He's got to play games. Next season, he's got to produce. So to me, I, I think in the offseason, you got to be searching for more offense because I don't think you can expect Trevor and Phil to produce again at this level. They do. It's a home run, and you don't have to worry about it. But to me, I, I think the search for offense, even on the blue line, is going to be what the offseason holds. Dennis, there was a question I asked you the last time you were on our podcast. I'm going to bring it up again. Sure. I, the last time I asked you, do you think Blake Lazat is a placeholder on this team? 
How do you feel about well, him now? I, I, I don't, unless Rasmus Kapari in the last 25 games really stands up here, and I don't even know if they'll get a shot. Blake Lazat's done nothing wrong, and the chemistry he mm-hmm. forged with 46 and 34, you can't take him out of the lineup. Now, here's the issue. 34 is no longer a fourth-line player. Yeah. He's now a top-six player. He's probably going to stay there for the rest of the season. So unless somebody comes in and takes Lazat, and Lazat does nothing wrong. That's the whole thing. Yeah, it's not a glamorous name. It's a great story, but I don't see who you're going to put in there, short of Kapari, who would come in and take his job. And, and I don't think the trust is there from Todd. And it's a lot of this guy's is trust. You listen to Todd. Russ is in, in with us media availability. This is a lot about trust. He trusts these players. Like, and it turned into a 100-point team. So to me, am I going to make that change? So to answer your question, Ryan, this season, no, he's, he's in the lineup. Now, is he going to battle for a job next season? Yeah, he's not locked in. Mm-hmm. But for right now, I don't see the player because, look, it's going to be Kopi, Phil, Quinn. And the fourth, whoever is the best is going to play. It's a meritocracy. Todd's not married to, to Blake here, but Blake in the moment has done everything they've asked him to do. And, you know, so for fans that don't want him along, I think he doesn't deserve it. This season he does, but we'll see what happens next season, what kind of changes they make. Yeah, I think this is actually a really good segue because Zach Dooley just tweeted, and I'm sure you see Alex Edler's on the ice for the Kings, joining the Kings for practice right now. So that's oh, a big, that's fantastic. a big uh, upgrade, and hopefully he can be healthy and help the team um, later in the season or till the end of the season. But going into now the they defense, don't have to trade for uh, chicken rice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so yeah, um, just to kind of segue into defense, do you see the Kings being players for a defensive ad at the deadline, or maybe even do you think it happens maybe in the summertime? Well, again, it depends on, on the nature of these injuries. Like, Drew is day-to-day, but he's, he's still not on the ice. So, to me, it would be – like, I don't think Ben Chirac, because I would not trade a first-round pick for Ben Chirac. No. The guy no. I love, who I would think would be really good as a rental, would be Cal DeHaan out of Chicago, because he plays both sides. Mm-hmm. And with this team's injuries, it seems like, okay, the right side got all banged up, and now the left side got all banged up. So, to <laughs> me, his flexibility would be great down the stretch. That would be an ad I would look at. So, that would be the type of player – that I, I would want to add. I like him the best. I, again, I wouldn't swing for Chirac because I'm not giving up a first round pick for the guy because they're not that close. Like, if you mm-hmm. need some insurance, I mean, this is about getting insurance to make the postseason, to not mm-hmm. ruin this season. Because yeah. it would be a crime with all these injuries that they missed. I don't think they will yeah. because Vegas and Edmonton would both pass them. And I don't trust any of those teams. <laughs> so, and there's only, you know, Todd keeps, I keep asking Todd about the playoffs and he says, oh, there's still a quarter season left. It's not that many games left. And there's a lot of home games. So to me, as an insurance policy, the Han I like because he plays both sides. And given the injury status from day to day with this team over the last week, you don't know where you'd slot him in on the left side. Right side. But, but that Edler ad would be huge for this team. It, yeah. would be, it would be massive for this team. He was so good. So we'll see what happens down the stretch. But, yeah, I think to back your bets on this team, you want to reward this team. They have shown they deserve to have a little help. And because of not a performance, because of injury, you might want to add on the blue line as well. And then looking ahead, I guess, into the offseason, you know, the Kings are pretty crowded along the right side. Do you, oh, yeah. you kind of envision or have any early predictions for who might be the odd men or odd man out? Um, it depends on the type of team you want, Ryan, because I can tell you that depending on what Brock Faber does and how Brent Clark is, you actually might trade, and this is a little crazy to say, Matt Roy. Yeah. That might get you a return, which he's, you know, he's been – so, uh, well, they're sunk without him. But but it depends on the type of player you want because, you know, the really good teams, they activate from the blue line. And, and they've tried it with these players, but they're, just, they're not those type of players. 
So yeah. if you want to be a really more offensively gifted team next season, and you and Clark's a keeper, and you know Spence might be here. So to me, if you want to change the style, maybe that's the player to go. I, I think you're going to look at like what does the trading partner that you want want? Do you want an established player in Matt Roy? Do you want a more you know a prospect? Which it's probably not going to be Grant Clark. They're going to hold on to him. So to me, it's a question of the type of player that will come back in the trade and the type of player that needs to go to that acquiring team. Like Arizona, I don't think Arizona would want Matt Roy because they're not at that point. I think they would want a more offensively gifted player. So to me, he's earned it. He's been great. Look, we voted him last year the best defenseman on the team, the media. So mm-hmm. to me, that would be a guy who, surprisingly as it might sound right now, that could be a trade target for some teams. This, do you think this is the most important offseason of Rob Blake's general manager? Time with the Kings? Um, it, yes and no. Yes, because now they can take the next step, but no, because look at the moves he made, Russ. Yeah. Like they paid off big time. Like Arvidsson for a second and third in the signing of Phil, and people ripped it, especially in Montreal. He can only score five goals, so he's not a five goal scorer. <laughs> so to me, I, I think that I think last season was because they, but Russ, they didn't turn the corner. Yeah. Then you can repudiate what they did with the building. It's three years that they've done nothing. Now they turn the corner, but now it's a different type of importance, right? It's like, okay, now can you, like, look, if Goudreau leaves and Kachuk gets traded because he doesn't want to stay there long term, could you win this division next year? Yeah, I mean, Vegas is going to be healthier, right? Yeah. But look at everybody else. So now can you take the next step? So it's, it's if you have designs on winning in the next two to three years, Russ, it's a very important offseason. Mm-hmm. But for the validation of what they've done here, they don't need to be validated anymore. This season validated what they did three seasons ago. Exactly. Absolutely. Well, Dennis, I promise you 20 minutes. We're running right into right that now. Right? There exactly. we go. Yeah. Wow. No, I appreciate the time today. Um, yeah, it was great to chat with you again. And uh, hopefully uh, the rest of the season goes pretty well for the Kings. And uh, go enjoy morning skate. We'll do Ron and Russell. See you game 83. Yes. yes. Yeah, exactly. Game one, man. Take care. <laughs> yeah. Cheers. See you, Dennis. Have a, see you, Dennis. And that was Dennis Bernstein, everyone. I hope you guys enjoyed our conversation with him. Um, I'm filling in for Scott today. Uh, so you're we're doing a great gonna... job, too, Ryan. You're doing, Thank you're you. Doing, you're Thank doing an you. awesome job. So I'm going to wrap, not in the way that Scott does, but... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, like I said, I'm filling in for Scott today. Uh, he'll be back for the next one. But yeah, Russ, thanks for joining me. It was good chatting with you again. Talk to you later. Man. Yeah, let's go. Go Kings. Go Kings.